Welcome to another episode of But Now We Said It. I have a special guest today from one of the best shows on Bravo, which I don't know where it went. I need it back and please cast me for it. Emerson Collins. How are you, Emerson? Uh, I'm so good and so excited to be here. Obviously, I want to get into the people's couch shortly, but just it's been a while since a lot of our Bravo viewers have seen you, except you did do the people's couch reunited on Watch What Happens Live, which was great. Yes. Give us an update on life. Wait, pausing there for a moment. We love a reunion multiple years after the cancellation. (laughs) The greatest thing about doing Watch What Happens Live from our living room in the pandemic, being a full-on guest, not even a bartender, is like, oh, we don't have to prove anything. There are no ratings to get. We are literally just here to have fun. When they called, I was like, are they kidding? And they were like, no, we've been trying for years and years and years. And I was like, you and all 87 of our viewers will be so excited about this. Y'all had a cult following, I promise. So let's just talk to people's couch. Yes. How did that come about? Because I actually think it is such a great idea and concept. And I still, once again, don't understand why it's still not on there. Well, the shortest version, obviously Gogglebox in the UK was the original. And we ended up in the casting options because Scott was in the running for another show through this casting office. He decided not to do it. And they called him and said, do you have any friends you watch television with? He was like, sure. Because who says no to that? Uh, and right. so we went in and we, the three of us sat and did a Zoom interview. Now, this was pre-pandemic, but Scott full-on art directed his living room. Like, we had the lamp laid down on the floor as a fill light. We had the touch by an angel glow in the back because he yes. is nothing if not detail-oriented <laughs> for our very first nice-to-meet-you-homosexuals interview. Uh, with casting so that went well and then the second round of it was they set us up in the living room with the producers they came and they put in a dvd of clips just online clips social media clips show clips and said just naturally say you know sort of what you would say while watching the show together at one point they walked out and said you don't have to do quite so much (laughs) we were like Sorry, we're gay. Uh, oh, no, no. This is rather <laughs> authentic. And and of course, obviously, you. Uh, what was always funny to me about shooting the show is that sometimes we'd watch shows that I really, really do love. And we'd watch it for the show. And then I would need to go home and watch it again. Because there right. is the element of when I watch TV, I don't say every single thing that I think. But when shooting a <laughs> clip style reaction show, you do. I was like, wait, whatever that half an hour monologue you just did about you know, Viola Davis's coat on how to get away with murder. I need to know what happened in that scene. Thank you. <laughs> I actually identify with that. Like when I'm watching a show and if I'm like live tweeting or reacting like on my Instagram, yep. I realize in my head, I think that I'm seeing everything. When I go back and rewatch, I'm like, did I even watch the episode? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Because it's like, wait, that happened. <laughs> I have no idea. Right. Also, there's an art to talking while watching television. It is a skill and a talent. For example, you know you have those friends that you're like, nope, if this is serious, they can't come over because they'll talk, I'll be annoyed, it'll ruin our friendship, and that's the end of it. But you can talk during scene transitions. You know, you can get in like one comment as the scene changes because you know they're going to walk for a second before the scene starts. And if you watch with people who understand, quote, (laughs) the rules of talking and watching television, it's great. But you watch with a new friend and you're like, oh, no, nope, you can't come back. There is nothing worse than a RuPaul's Drag Race viewing party, only because at the bars, literally, you try to watch. You you didn't hear or see anything. No. Truly. It's like, congratulations, I saw the runway looks, that's it. 
Exactly. And exactly. that works for double watches. <laughs> um, but yes. so that is what led to us uh, being on the show. Obviously, they were casting group types. I've talked about mm-hmm. it before. You know, Ben and Ronnie were in the running for the gay uh, grouping. Oh. oh, yeah. That's how we became friends. Like, Ronnie tweeted oh, when the show so first cool. premiered. He was like, oh, I get it. They wanted pretty stereotypical WeHo gays. That's not what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed so hard. And I was like, Ronnie, I feel seen and attacked and correct. And we should be friends. Because obviously they're extremely intelligent, hilarious commentariat. So good. And then also in the running, uh, drag queens. Willem, Detox, and Vicky uh, were a potential oh, wow. group for casting as well, I've been told. Because Willem was in the movie that I produced, Southern Baptist Sissy. So we've been friends since before The yes. People's Couch. And he was like, girl, we were in the running for that. But one of them was late. So. Uh oh. They lost it all because they, uh, Dorit, they did a, pulled a they Dorit did. on Teddy. But you look, you got to get the photos in the glam. Like that's how I show up to yes. work out too. So I, I was on the wrong oh, side well, of that s- argument. Speaking of your photos, I mean, your photos on Instagram are absurd. Works of art, to be honest. <laughs> works of art. They are. S- there is no one that does a better thirst trap than Emerson Collins. The, the, the Everybody. real honest answer, because definitely I, when I post, I get texts that just are Emerson. And comments from my real life friends, Emerson. <laughs> yes. My boyfriend's mother has said, I'm sorry, I don't like naked photos. Not that she doesn't like them, but she won't hit the like button on them. And I was for like, sure, fair. for sure. Said, that is just to draw attention to the work. Like if it, yes. <laughs> like the, the, Please. whatever it takes to get eyeballs on the thing. And cause to put it in perspective, when we first got cast on the people's couch, I had just produced and starred in this movie, Southern Baptist Sissies. My producing partner, Del Shores, it's a play of his. And we we did a hybrid of the play on film. And so we had finished editing it. We premiered it at Outfest that summer. It starred Willem, Leslie Jordan, Dale Dickey, Bobby Eakes, genuine real celebrities. And so the very first three trial episodes of The People's Couch, I was live tweeting from the Seattle Queer Film Festival one weekend in North Carolina at a film festival the next weekend. Oh, my god! And it's part of what we talked about in starting the show was like, could this be terrible? I mean, ultimately, I'm still out here just trying to be an actress, but I'll do whatever it takes along the way. <laughs> I only produce film and television so that I can be in it. Um, there you go. But so I produced and released an entire movie during the first season. And then as we were shooting the fourth season of The People's Couch, I produced my last movie, A Very Sort of Wedding, in Canada. So I had 150 crew members. 20 actors over the age of 60 that I had carted to Winnipeg to shoot because of the film tax incentives. And I'm flying home on Saturdays to shoot the people's couch in Silver Lake and then fly back to the set in Canada, which I was happy to do, thrilled to do, a princess problem. But it is always funny when people go, oh, that people's couch guy. Like, let's be honest, that commenting on television is not a skill or a talent. <laughs> but it was an incredibly joyful, fun thing we got to do theoretically in support of the actual work. But if I have to yes. dress in a skimpy speedo, if I have to host ridiculous Q and A's, if I have to expound upon television to get people to show up for the real work, I feel fortunate that I had the platform that was our show to do so. Dick sells. <laughs> it literally does. You said that you would fly back to Silver Lake to film this every Saturday. Yes. So did you get any sort of, did you guys have screeners ahead of time that you got to watch ahead of time? Or was this all like on the fly? Like you had to, you were seeing it all for the first time. So we never knew what we were about to watch. Like we never watched anything we could have seen before. So it was all new and authentic in reaction in Mm -hmm. the moment. So it wasn't like, hey, this was on Tuesday. 
you know, you already saw it, but now pretend right. like you've never seen it before. So it was all first run reactions. As the show became more and more successful, they would get access to ep- to upcoming episodes so that we could shoot them and then put it into like the next episode. But it never affected right. our ability to react authentically for the first time because we wouldn't know what we were going to see when. Right. Because it really was very honestly just put it in, press play, and here's what happens. There was no like stopping and starting. There was no, hey, did you want to comment on this part of that episode? It was just two cameras by the television. True reaction. Hit the play button, and then they would use what they wanted to from it. Was there certain shows that you dreaded yes. having to react yes. to versus ones that you loved? Yes. Tell me. The Walking Dead. I never, I've never seen no. it. I have zero desire. I don't judge people's entertainment taste because I watch everything from terrible to high end, whatever, but I didn't enjoy the walking dead. My dumb joke about it that I made every time we watched it to try to get us to stop having to watch that show was like, I will be interested when they are the running dead. If you can escape (laughs) them by moving at a mall walk pace, I'm just not that terrified or a gay pace, like just a gay going to get coffee pace. I'm not that terrified. An iced coffee. And then Mm. I don't like villains that can't talk. You know, give me a sexy vampire, Mm. werewolf, you know, anybody. But if your villain can't monologue, I'm bored. Yes. That was the only one that was genuinely, because it was a big pop culture show, so we watched it a lot because it it was a a high conversation piece. There weren't many others. It always became funnier actually watching shows we didn't watch at all because we watched a lot of those, like, reenactor shows, Sex Set Me to the ER, like, all those were just hilarious because I'm not a regular watcher. So our our enjoyment of it was genuinely real. Just like, I don't watch this all the time. I'm not invested in the plot. (laughs) So we really can't just have like silly fun (laughs) uh, with it. And then obviously all of the Housewives content. But funny enough, it was some of the People's Couch stuff that got me back into some of the Housewives shows that I wasn't watching. I was... Oh, like which one? I was the most aggressive Bravo viewer among the three of us. Like Scott watches Uh some television. Blake like wouldn't watch television at all if he didn't have to. And I watched entirely too much television was the balance. They would often say, Emerson, we're watching like Orphan Black. If you can give the overview of like what the show's about, that'd be great. Because like, that's amazing. I do really watch it. And so it's like, okay, I can like at the start of it be like, this is the concept of the show. This is what's happening. Now let's go. But I came back specifically to Orange County because of the people's couch. My journey into housewives, I was definitely a later adopter. I joined with New Jersey after the table flip reunion. Like that's... Wow, you and me both. Well, so I did watch the first episode of Orange County when it came out and was so excited that it was going to... About this new series. Yeah. But it didn't really grab my attention. So it was until the table flip that I came back and rewatched like everything. Yeah. I started, but I started there and see, I didn't go backwards at that point. And so like some of the early stuff I missed, um, I did go back and watch New York from the beginning. Like it's New York launched. So so I'm a New York day one viewer, Atlanta. I picked back up and I'm a day one viewer. Uh, but Orange County always was sort of off to the side for me until. Uh, we started watching it on the people's couch and it was, I believe in the, as Gretchen was leaving and uh, Heather's first season or like sh- that era and Shannon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shannon came on like it when Gretchen was leaving. Yes. yes. It was that crossover. My random bit of trivia oh, is that time. Gretchen Rossi and I were at Baylor at the same time. <gasps> I did not know her. I was like, I didn't know I- her then. But what if there's like a picture floating out there with you guys at the same place at the same time? The, and and the other one that was there, Joanna Gaines. So like, oh, 
But also when you look at like the reality success stories, it's one of these things. It's not like the other. <laughs> like Gretchen and Slade have done 74 different reality shows. Joanna Gaines has a full on sure empire. Have. And I'm like over here trying to sell a television show uh, and showing my bulge on Instagram. So I love the people's couch and the people that we've met who loved our show. This was my favorite thing because with a very sorted wedding, as the last season was airing, mm-hmm. Dell and I flew to 45 cities for opening nights, premieres, and Q&As. We released the film independently. We were the number one specialty box office the opening weekend. And so I was in a lot of airports for that year. And it genuinely, it felt like every city I flew to, every airport I was in, because of the, like, bangs, you but, know, oh, situation. You a very notable, my, notable hairstyle. My strong point of view haircut. I was definitely strong point of view. <laughs> recognizable. <laughs> but in every airport for that six months, somebody stopped me to talk about the show. And one of the things I'm most proud of is that this silly little show that's really just the reactions we all have as we watch the things we love with the people we love, the universal connection of people recognizing, oh, I do that, and that is what I felt, or I felt the opposite of that. How interesting. The the kinds of people that came up and were like, hey, I don't want to interrupt, but I want to tell you how much I love the people's couch. There was sort of a joy in the like smart, kind, friendly people that approached us you know, because mm-hmm. there are fans of some shows in the universe that you can tell are not great. Um, not, not ideal. <laughs> that I honestly, those there's those fans that it's like, why do you still watch yeah, at this yeah. point? It's like they comment, like nothing can ever be good enough. Yes. And it's just like, well, then why are you still watching? Yeah. If it's not doing it for you, then just stop ruining it for the rest of yes. us. Just go Like off. if it is hurting you, don't show up. Yes. Like it's, Amen. Hate watching should not involve actual hate. It should involve like yes. joke judgment is actually yes. the better term. If you are literally hate watching, like stop watching something. Why is it ruining your day? Why is this content Truly, hurting you? Turn <laughs> it's literally going like you're giving yourself, you're putting yourself through that. And in turn, you're putting us through it because you have to make the comments you know, on social media yes. about your hate watching. Yes. So then we have to deal yes. with it. Honey, that is so. what group texts are for. Turn off the little picture box and, you know, make yourself a smoothie. I don't know, but like something that brings Amen. you joy. But I found that the kinds of people who said they really loved our show, that it was a multi-generational, people like my mom watched. I used to get DMs all the time that were like, I thought the idea of your show was so stupid, but my mom watches it all the time and I watched it with her and we actually had a really good time. Like people that, it's <laughs> so good. that showed up I love it. Uh, backwards. And I think it reflected something we've seen, you know, that you do that so many of the podcasters do that give an outlet to the, the broad range of the Bravo fan base, that it really is a huge range of people that watch for different kinds of reasons. It was one of the, totally. the, the first reflections of that where you could say, oh, look, we all watch, we all react differently, but we all enjoy it. That made it really fun. It gave presence to sort of the fan experience. And I think maybe even sometimes in ways that Bravo didn't expect. Like, I don't think they're always yes. aware of why different parts of the fan base enjoy certain things. And that's okay. Totally. But I think here, particularly in the space you occupy with this, like those of you that sort of lead the fan base, so to speak, give everybody an outlet that's very similar and an expansion of kind of what our little show did on the platform, I think. Because when we first started in 2013, you know, it was very early in the live tweeting era. Like we were doing yeah. that for our show 
before housewives were doing it for their shows, like before networks were having people do I was that. I'm trying to think when did like Twitter really like the, was the live tweet the really thing. became like 2014 now different parts of twitter black twitter's definitely been live tweeting things you know for long before they sort of advanced right. many uh new social media uh things but when we we were doing it just as a like fun way to engage with people before it became network level directives to stars of show that like you need to live tweet on thursdays because mm-hmm. you're on an abc series um, right, right, right. And it gave us all such a like direct engagement and building of community. But I'm, it Absolutely. wasn't until the pandemic that I became so much more aware of the broader Bravo cinematic universe, if you will. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Um, there, those of you that have the biggest podcasts, I've always known about because you all have been in it so much longer. But I, I think the pandemic combined with BravoCon, combined with what was the absurd thing we were doing every day that I suddenly forgot? Clubhouse. Clubhouse that gave <laughs> yes. us connectivity in our mm-hmm. aloneness, like really expanded, I think, the awareness of how connected the, the fan bases are. And I think helped with totally. some things. Because for also for a while, it got real mean. You know, like it was like social media was super fun. And then it was super mm-hmm. terrible for like, and then I feel like it's, it made its way back. Yeah. That we've, it's inching. That, that we've managed <laughs> to like stabilize our sanity a little bit. Yes. Cause I yes. try to operate from the, I don't, I would not say on social media, anything to anyone I wouldn't say to their face in the presence of people I care about. You know, I try to think about right. if, if I were standing in a ballroom in front of 24,000 people, like my fault, you know, would I shout, right. would I shout this at all of them? Would you shout? Giselle has a fiery hot box. Yeah. Probably not. No. <laughs> but also, I'm definitely in a weirder camp of like, I do not want to engage directly yeah. with the people I enjoy. Like, I don't want to yes. tell a reality star to their personal act what I think of tonight's episode. One, I know it happened right. six months ago. I know there's more to the story to reveal before I even know. You know, I'm not a quick to judge person. I, I've made so many mistakes in my own life. I don't want to be judged by my worst moments. I try to give a little grace and gratitude. And I'm fascinated by people who feel the need to express extremely negative opinions to a stranger. Well, what's shocking to me is when people like Robin Dixon has been very open about how she had received like so many not death threats, but people saying like, you should just go kill yourself and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, how do you have, like, what got you to that level where you sent sin yeah. at that moment? Yeah. Like, how did we get there? Yeah. Like, this is literally a TV show. Yeah. Like, we are allowed to be passionate and have our thoughts. But when you're going on there, like, strictly to tell somebody how awful they are and that they need to kill themselves, yeah. that's just a whole nother level. And it's fascinating to me how someone can get there. Yeah, it's, it's, and I, I just want to, I, I want them to tell us that. And it's always the people that don't show their faces. Either. Correct. That's the other thing. Yeah. There's a, there's a weird anonymity that gives a certain kind of power. But so often we see like a celebrity screen cap something and say, look, I engaged with this person. They were like, oh my gosh, you responded. Like, I think there, right. there is a part of our culture that truly doesn't see people they see only in entertainment as people. And that's not to say like you have to approve of or forgive, like, things that people do. And obviously it's different when you get into specific social justice issues that are fundamentally different than like, I think you were an asshole to somebody, but there's just a, a disproportionate 
hyperbole because that's what gets attention on social media. You know, you don't get attention for saying, yes. hey, I think there's really nuanced engagement in the conversation between these two individuals. Because <laughs> uh, I fucking hate her. You know, 3,000 retweets. What I love most about particularly the reality shows, the Bravo ones that we love, is that I love seeing in mm -hmm. people be somebody that I'm absolutely agree with one week and they make a decision I don't agree with or they say something I think is unfair and then they have to apologize and they don't do it well because I do that it's hard for me to say yeah. I'm sorry sometimes I've said terribly shitty things I regret you know but there, it is that very human thing that is why we watch I've thought about this a lot lately and I don't know why but I'm curious if the same people that crucify certain people for stupid, silly things like friendship things on these shows. If they were in that place on the shows, how would they want to be treated with any sort of, you know, yeah. and people, I feel like people don't really think about that at all. And I was just, I don't know. That's something I was thinking about this week. I think there's like a good line of funny and then there's just me and yes. being able to enjoy and laugh with yes. is the, the goal. Yes. If you're saying things that are just to be mean and finding humor in that, I feel like you missed the mark. And that's just, and people need to find that balance. It's also, you know, I've, the last couple of years, even since our show, have thought a lot about like, how snarky do I want to be publicly anymore? It was something right. that definitely, as like a gay boy, closeted, growing up in the Southern Baptist Church in Texas, there's a defense mechanism that a lot of people like be like us share, you know, yes. we were good with our words because mm -hmm. I was a skinny kid with glasses and braces and the band and the choir, but I knew what to say yeah. to hurt your feelings. And even, you know, since our show, I've started pulling back on like, if it's not more funny than it is mean, it's not worth saying for me anymore. And that's totally. not to tell anybody else where their humor line should be. I've just found mine moving some in a way that mine definitely moved in a whole different direction because there was times where I'd like look at things and I'd be like, was that really funny yeah. or was that just mean? Yeah. And then, so I've definitely reflected on that a lot. And it's possible to be funny. You know, there's, it's, it's funny that when you look at like the journey of shade as a concept from queer people of color to the wider LGBTQ yeah. community and black women all the way to like wider culture, there's, it, it, it's a skill. Being witty is a skill. Mocking someone with love is a skill. It also requires knowing the person for, because it's like, if you make a joke at my expense on my Instagram, I know you, I know your spirit, right. I know what you mean. If somebody I don't know right. at all makes the same comment underneath, I find myself going, I don't know you. And it's very presumptuous for you to make a joke at my expense and presume right. I will find that hilarious. Yes. I've been trying to do that more with other people too, to talk about the things I love more than sharing negative feel. You know, I just don't need to talk. Yes. If I didn't like it, I don't need to tell everybody. I just don't need to say anything. That's been Amen. my more governing principle of late. Now, when we get into so, deep dives on actual shows, I can tell you like, oh, I don't like this story. Like, you know, not saying sure. I don't have yes. negative things, but I just need to tell people like, I hate this show. I hate this movie. I hate this right, person. Right, like, right, who right. cares? I'm just not going to waste my time with it. Being the gay casting and what, 2013, 14? Yeah. Did you receive a lot of hate as well or not so much? No, but it's funny because both from fans who I understand that, you know, it becomes inhabiting a stereotypical space because also that's what get used, right? If you're using, you have a black family, you have Persian sisters, you have a white family, you have the gays. Mm -hmm. Obviously, when you're using types, you tend to lean in that direction. People love to talk about like the Beyonce 
uh, showing up on Lip Sync Battle when Scott kicked me in the face because we had like a giant reaction to Beyonce being there as people want to be his favorite <laughs> clips because we have a big queen out <laughs> moment. Now, that is very authentic. I, there are lots of stereotypical things about me. I love musical theater. I love silly speedos. I inhabit lots of positive and negative um, white gay stereotypes. <laughs> But obviously, also, we're all more than that. But, you know, right. it's not as conducive to use the, like, 20-minute conversation we had about body dysmorphia in a comedy clip totally. show. And there were certainly people at the beginning resistant to the stereotypes that we present, which I understand. I've been the audience member going, oh, look at that, you know. Yes. But interestingly enough, more from gay guys early on than from other people. But I don't mm-hmm. think that's weird. I think uh, all of us... Uh, my favorite was always me and my friends are gay fun- culture. Me and my friends are funnier. It's like, yes, you probably are. We were in the right place at the right time. Well, cause see, if we're being really honest, it's not like what we did was special. I could name 10 other groups of gay trios that I know who would be great. Lots of life is, you know, right place, right time. So there was some of that, but my response to that is always to bring people in, you know, rather than totally. be like defensive about that. I can't control your perception of me, but I can engage with you in a way that maybe will demonstrate that I am that, but also more than that. This was some great, great advice today. I love well, this. It's, this is amazing. It's hard fought and hard won. You know, I said earlier, yeah. I, I have anxiety issues that I've talked a lot about the last couple of years because mm-hmm. we all know mental health is something we don't talk about enough. It can be sort of weird and scary. And I yes. have joked, Dell and I did a live stream LGBTQ news show twice a week through the pandemic. And I like talked about it all the time. This is where I'm at. I lost 10 pounds. I didn't have to lose. I like came home, got a new doctor at the LGBT center, uh, said, hey, this is what's happening. Great. Let's try these pills. I had terrible reaction to those pills. She said, great. Let's try these other pills. And they were great. But part of sharing that is it's not weird. It's very common. Lots of people had mental health issues who've never had them before because the nature mm-hmm. of lockdown uh, was so different. But in doing Absolutely. that, in being in sharing about that and thinking about what feeds the positive and negatives in my own mental health, there is an element right. of like, what brings me joy? What makes me feel connected to people? What makes me feel like this conversation was fun, informative? And yes, a little snarky and jet, like, I'm just so everyone's clear, we're not going full Hakuna Matata. Like, some people <laughs> deserve some judgment. Like, Lisa Barlow has some comments. <laughs> that I have to make about her. Uh, but no, <laughs> but, you know, but there's a balance. Like it should stay, I'm trying to of keep course. all of it in a place that is fun. Cause if it's not fun, why are we doing it? Why bother? Real quick, we have to take a break. We got paid $3 in a roll of duct tape to do the People's Couch for four season and 57 episodes. I tallied once. We watched like 450 television shows. Because it's like, oh, that thing that was on. We did 57 episodes. We had four full seasons of that show. Oh my gosh. Holy shit. Yeah. That is a lot of television shows. It was a lot. And I loved it. So, but yeah, but, I mean. But by the end. But your other two didn't probably because they're not big TV watchers. Like, Blake was like, I'm good. Thank you. But by the end, there was almost a like, we're watching a show we've watched like five times. And there's an element of like, I have said every funny thing I have to say about the show. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Well, how did it end? How did, like what, they just decided to Uh, cancel Well, no, but it's in that thing where like, Bravo doesn't cancel anything. They just like, don't do it again. You know, (laughs) very famously. Yeah. And so it was eventually, we just got, we're told by our production company who were amazing and all three was really great to us, about us. Uh-huh. And it was the change in who was head of development at Bravo. When that team changed, gotcha. when Laura Spots moved on, she was definitely a big champion of our show. But it also made sense, unless they were going to add more half hour shows, if they were head, heading more of a talk direction, mm-hmm. we were sort of a one off 
on the network. And that was when they made the big turn towards the like home and garden, <laughs> you know, for, gotcha, for a yes. little while. But it was like, oh, we're going yes. a, a sort of different home way. Home by Literally. <laughs> I was like, and I didn't watch those shows. That just became the end of the era. As far as the other families and cast members on the show, did you develop relationships with all of them? Some of them? The, or... the funny thing was because, you know, we don't shoot together. So it's like, oh, yeah, I see right. you once a year, once a season at a rap party if you come. Julie and Brandy right. are great friends of ours. We knew, I knew Julie before even we did the show and we got super close okay. with them. Uh, you know, like the snarky, homeless, gay. Yes. Um, and then Destiny <laughs> and her sister were great and very friendly and like thrilled to cheer on Destiny's success over on Shaw's. But the others, it was like, yay, we met you once at a thing and you, right. you seem lovely, but I don't know you. Not in a negative way. Yeah. And the Xenos, we, totally. we had a lot more conversation with because we engaged with a lot more online and, and they were really wonderful. And the Xenos, that's the family, Yes, right? the black trio. Uh, like, um, yes, okay. And because like yes. they were definitely the front lead sort of of the comedy of the show anyway, that we definitely loved watching them as well. And so yes. we had a great, and I was sad when we did our little reunion, it was, I was sad that they were not also included. Obviously we're not involved in making those decisions and I'm, I'll right. show up at the opening of an envelope at this point. Um, <laughs> but it would have been great to have them there because it certainly felt like they were core oh. to the success uh, of the show as well. Would you ever agree to do it again? Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, what am I doing? Tomorrow. Let's sign I am, up. I am, yes. I am, I say, I, well, Blake agreed to do it again. I've been answering people. I could convince Blake, uh, <laughs> I think. The, uh, but I have been telling people, I am unfortunately available for, for everything at the moment. <laughs> the, Would you ever do like a gay cast Real Housewives type show? It's not that I wouldn't. It's that I don't, I honestly don't think I would be a great reality TV character. Like, mm -hmm. the, there's a funny thing with fans of reality shows. Most of us in a week do not even have 30 minutes of good television happen to us. You know, like, I'm right. sorry. Yes. None of us are as interesting as we think we are at home. Like, I have not done, in the last week, I'm like, no, I had a lovely dinner with this person. Like, this was fine. We talked about this project, but nothing's really moving on. Like, I could not give you 30 minutes of my last week that would be like, yeah, people need <laughs> desperately to we see that. We needed that. We needed that in our lives. Now, I could certainly lean in to some moments, which the best reality TV people do. Like some of my favorites, you're like, okay, you could have let that go, but I'm glad you didn't because it's fun. I'm glad you yeah. did it. Well, it's, yes. When we went on Below Deck, our big Below Deck weekend, that was like one of the greatest weekends of my entire life. There was definitely the yes. experience of like, oh yeah, okay. Like you could have like smoothed that over, but you didn't. And I see you and that's good TV. <laughs> good for you. But how was doing your below deck week? Oh my gosh. It was like, week. obviously I'm a poor person. And so getting <laughs> like five star yacht experience at someone else's payment an experience I will likely never be able to afford. It was glorious because you really do get the full five star yacht experience. Like every time you moved, someone was there to refill your drink. Like that's amazing. Nothing about the experience is sacrificed for the television show. And a lot of it happens with you unaware of it. And wow. they are really impressive with like keeping the cameras really far away from the film that they're shooting. Now to say like, oh, I forgot the cameras were there is definitely bullshit. Cause like, that's a I am also on a television <laughs> show and I definitely did have the like, nope, uh, you're not, I'm, you're not going to get me <laughs> looking stupid. Uh, Cause this show is not about me. Right. <laughs> but we had the interesting experience of like, the order of our charter was reordered on the television show. 
So it was my first personal experience with how much you really can shift a narrative in editing. Mm. Not that they like made me look different or whatever, but literally they reversed the order of the dinners and you would be no wiser. And I was like, wow. So I can't. It's crazy how that happens. Like what? And I feel like what you can do. What, right. And it's, it also makes me wonder sometimes if it's in their contract, like talents contracts, like you cannot spill the secrets of those types of things. Cause you feel like there's, there would be more talk of that sometimes. Well, you know I feel I like mean? the problem is though, the only time people talk about it is when they're trying to excuse bad behavior. And so we just True. end up in the like, blame it on the edit conversation. It Once again, True. nuance, it's hard for someone to articulate well, Yes, I said that, but you didn't see the 15 minutes that happened leading up to that where this happened and they said this and then they said this before I said the terribly unfair thing that would have at least given you a perspective of how I was motivated to that moment. That's not interesting for any of us to listen to on a live stream at a reunion. So you do sort of have to like just sort of take the punches of like, I said that. And even if you made it look worse, I did say the words. Um, that's true and i think that's why some people are cut out for reality tv and others aren't because you either do have to go yeah yeah i said it here's how i feel about it now and i either do or don't apologize for it and stand on that yeah and the idea that and the idea that any of us as viewers of something are right is sort of silly anyway i'm not team anybody on any of the shows i'm team the show succeeding like our current bravo renaissance (laughs) you know like mid-pandemic when we were sort of terrified of like what are these shows going to be or what Orange County is flailing. Like, what is happening with all these things? And now, you know, Dallas fell apart. I want to make a sidebar that I think is really important. What we're talking about as far as, like, how we engage as fans is fundamentally different than the issues that, like, Black viewers are talking about and their experience as Black viewers. Yes. The Asian viewers were talking about and their experiences with Tiffany and with Crystal. Social justice-related issues, like even the anti-Semitic stuff in New York, right? That's fundamentally yes. different than when we're team this person or that person in a dumb argument about, like, how, who wrote on, you know, just, Who texted yes. so-and-so with a thumbs up. <laughs> and if anything, the greater Bravo cinematic universe has given us all much more access to different kinds of viewers' perspectives in a way that I think has helped us all grow and ultimately makes it better viewing experience for all of us. But when we're just in the like bullshit of like, was Jen or Lisa more at fault in the zipper van, you know, argument, right. I'm team good television. Like, good I, television. I don't consider anyone a villain. I consider them antagonists because like, they're ne- yes. it's important. It's like, I look at Orange County this season. Who knew that, like, Noella would be so necessary to provide, like, the tension, you know, because, like... She is slaying it. Well, (laughs) like, Shannon wilted in front of the return of Heather, and what would the show be right now if Noella wasn't being like, Heather, you bother me? What are you watching now, Bravo-wise? Are we watching everything? Yes, well, um, Um, deep in all of the ladies. I'm, I haven't, I'm not all the way caught up in Miami. I've been catching up to, I'm just up through the, like, the chicken, the chicken ranch. I was not an original Miami viewer because of like where I entered. So meeting, I knew some of them, like I knew uh, Mirasol and her mother because of like, because they crossed over. Yes. (laughs) RIP. So Um, I knew some of the characters, but I came to this as a new viewer and it's a slam dunk out the gates. I mean, so the storyline and not to like stereotype, but like the telenovela of like, I have a dead husband who was gay that I went to meet with his lover and I'm marrying a man who insulted my child because my child did drugs with my other child. Like, I was like, of course this series needed to come back. I mean, you are a one woman, four series arc. I was like, you need to let me breathe 
Get your foot <laughs> off my neck. If Alexia comes back with zero storyline next season, give her a fucking break. Honey, it's okay. She can sit in the background <laughs> and look cute. Like, that is, all, like, yeah. just that. But it, I love it. I love where they picked up, like, Larsa and the OnlyFans. I'm fascinated by who was made a housewife. Like, y'all are seeing me check my notes because it's a cast. I don't even know their names as well. It's Adriana, <laughs> right? That's friends with yes. Julie and Martina. Yes. But Adriana is yes. technically the friend, and it feels like she's the main story. Here's my perspective. I think going in, the only two that probably knew that they were going to be full time housewives, this is all just speculation. Yeah, that, that's, would be. That's what we do. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do here. So I think Alexia and Hochstein definitely knew they were going to be full time back. Yes. I think the rest of it was like, we'll see how right, it y'all, We'll see what happens. And my theory on Marisol and Adrian, I, I only wanted Alexia and Lisa to come back. I did not like Larsa as a choice, but watching her now, I'm living. I actually. And she's so much better than her first season that she did. It was she was painful her first season. It's also clearly but, her life transition moment is is compelling as well. Exactly, exactly. And for Adriana and Marisol, my thought process was they are the old like brand of Miami. Yeah. We have this in our head that Miami was canceled or it it didn't succeed the first time. Yeah. So as a branding thing for me, I would want them to still be familiar faces on the show. Yeah. But I wouldn't want it. It was the show was so much surrounded about Adriana. Gotcha. So why reboot yes. it with her as the face, right? Yeah, I get that. And honestly, Marisol thrives in this role. I don't want her to be full time, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Agreed. I mean that I think she thrives as a friend and pay her the bucks. And for it where she's, she's hugely successful for me is because I didn't really know them because I didn't really watch. That's interesting. That, but it's also funny because I'm like, I see why Adriana was one of the center before because she inherently pulls the focus in a good way. Like it doesn't feel forced. She's just, there's a lot there. She's really dynamic yes. and engaging. And her connection to Martina was brilliant because that's fascinating as well, right. culturally even. And Marisol... The way she articulates commentary on other people's business makes her a flawless friend. Because it's like, I'm not even that interested in what's going on with her separate, not even in a negative way. I just love her in the mix saying things while things are happening. The way Orange County is shaken out with the reintroduction of Heather, which is brilliant and wonderful. And I'm fascinated by the way Shannon has wilted. I'm fascinated by how much it's done for Emily and Gina as like the middle tier of the show where they're they're yes. freer, they're funnier, they engage with the newbies, like, tell me what's... You know, the way their personalities have soared with the departure of the rest of the Trace Amigas is what I always believed was there, and it's why I felt like Vicky was such a weight on the franchise, because I was like, I thought that was there, and they blossomed into such different personality types as, as show characters, so to speak, yes. and I love that, and Noella and Jen underneath. Part of it's also, like, Noella's life falling apart right as they started filming was not something they could have prepared for <laughs> and it's definitely shifted right. the storytelling so it may also be at this point we're just seeing less of what's compelling for jen because of the right. stories we're currently focused on i actually thought last season was good in its way it just didn't feel like it was a housewife season correct it felt like i was watching like an offshoot yes. of housewives yes. like and special or something. And we were definitely arriving at the place that happens sometimes of like, this group of women cannot pretend to be friends again. 
Right. And that yeah. is what it just that's what always requires then recasting in some capacity. It's funny that like Meredith is causing this problem on Salt Lake City, actually, as well. When you get to the like, I can't shoot with that person, then mm-hmm. someone has to go. Because the show doesn't right. work if you can't be in the same room together and at least be cordial. It's led to right. some of the funniest I, moments in Housewives history, too, where you just have to forgive somebody like, or quit. <laughs> right. Well, and that was my, that actually was one of my biggest issues with Bethany. Like, I love, again, I appreciate Bethany. She, her comedic relief was always needed. But the one thing that drove me insane, I felt like she picked one person every season to sort of isolate and like sort of refuse to engage with. Or like not show up, you know, like Sonia wasn't invited to the Berkshires that one season. Ramona wasn't, she wasn't going to engage with Ramona the one season. And then it's just like, she picked one. I'm like, if y'all are getting paid to do this show and these are your co-stars, honey, I don't care if you don't like them. That's what your job is right now. Well, it's like, it's the thing that was part of the reason I was like, Vicky needs to go because she thinks she gets to decide. It's the thing that Giselle and Karen understand and why Potomac has worked every single season it's been on the air is they understand they can never go so far that they can't get back if they both want to be on the show. And they both know that it takes both of them. Like that show works because there are two queen bees and everyone else revolves on each side and it moves and changes and whatever, but they never push so hard to deliver an ultimatum or like, I won't shoot with her or like, I'm going to be so ugly that she can't stand in the same room with me or she loses all respect for herself. And everyone makes a mistake. My one counter on Bethany is one of my favorite things in Housewives history is Bethany Frankel returning as a success story and refusing to give Ramona scenes. (laughs) <laughs> like, I know what you mean about, like, picking someone and isolating them. Yeah. But one of my favorite Bethany things of all time is Ramona walking up, clearly going, okay, Bethany, now we're going to have a scene now. And Bethany going, uh, yeah, uh-huh. I'm not going to do, do this. What do you want? And then Ramona not what, knowing what to do besides basically say, why won't you have a scene with me? <laughs> <laughs> I have some fan questions for you. Yes. This is from Nicole Torres. Is he dating Blake McIver? Yes. We had our eighth year anniversary in December. Well, congratulations. And, you know, it's funny. If you pay attention, it's always been clear, like, why are you with my family at Christmas? But I, right. I learned from watching other people I know. And, like, let's be clear. I'm an R-list celebrity. Like, Blake was famous as a child long before I, like, you know, I was learning my alphabet. And he was singing on TV. But I, it's the one area where I don't want to give people the right to comment too much, you know? And I, mm-hmm. when we first started dating i was like if this doesn't work out we're doing this show bravo didn't know for our whole first season we i just straight up lied to casting we had literally been on like three dates at that point and i was like if we decide we don't want to do this or this doesn't get serious i was like also we're not getting paid enough this is not a lifestyle show for you to be in my business like that and so i share a lot of what we're doing but i'm not a big sharer of like here's how i feel about my relationship because I don't want strangers yes. to be able to comment on the, the play-by-play. Like, now we're in it, obviously. And also, right. I don't ever want my relationship to feel like part of my work or my promotion. Yes. You know, I will share, yes. like, here's what we're doing and here's where we're going and that. But if I feel like I'm performing our relationship for social media, it's such a weird business we all work in. You know, I wish I was successful enough to just do social media the way I want, like post when I want and don't what mm-hmm. I don't. And if I disappear for three months, who cares? 
but it's right. still a part of it doesn't work uh, like that. our live stream show, <laughs> the work I'm promoting, the reality show I was on, the, the films that I desperately want people to watch streaming on Amazon and Hulu and anywhere that you watch movies yes. is all tied to that. But I don't want my relationship to feel like it's a part of promotion because I don't yep. ever want to be like, oh, he and I are doing this. I should do this for social media. So when I share what we're doing, it's just because like this was fun today. We went to the yes. Huntington Gardens yesterday and I was like, look, this is what we did. But not out of like, I want to share us with right. people. Fur on Fleek wants to know, when is Emerson coming to SLC to visit Beauty Lab? Okay, I desperately want to. So much so that my family, we did a destination Christmas this year in Colorado Springs because of like airports and whatever. My parents drove from Dallas. We drove from LA. And I fully made our drive to Colorado Springs. Salt Lake City was too far out of the way. But so we drove through Vail, where I spent an hour trying to find the patio where Heather and her sister had their reconciliation lunch. I didn't figure it out, but we did live our full like rich white lady fantasy and veil for three. I hours. was watching that journey. It was great. I, like fully like got our outfits together. We're doing yes. we're renting a house with some friends in Arrowhead in like a month. That's definitely our like Salt Lake City housewives experience. The yes. greatest thing for Heather and Beauty Lab was like the SWAT showing up. I mean, in her parking lot. I like want to go to Beauty right. Lab. I want to stand in the parking lot. I want the t-shirt. I want to have a service. We're looking for Jen Shaw. Yeah. Like, sorry about Jen's <laughs> personal journey and, you know, the, the all of that. But separate, just for Heather, I was like, good for you and your business. You worked hard. You're franchising. <laughs> and one of the most important scenes of your franchise happened in your parking lot. Good for you. So the answer for on fleek is as soon as possible. Bravo by Brett. How do I look hot and make thirst traps like him? Okay. Let's be honest that a lot of like what your body looks like is genetic. The fact that I am thin at my age is definitely genetic, <laughs> but I'm a, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of like, do you, and if it makes you happy, do it. You know, I joke about my thirst traps and speedos, but like I was a kid that like speedos were one of the first things teaching me about my sexuality. I know like where the fascination comes from. My journey is not the same as people that are big in our culture. But like being a skinny kid in Texas, I was not good at sports. I was insecure in a specific way about being super thin. And obviously, then as a gay man, that became desirable. So it's a specific journey. But part of my big celebration of that is like, where if it makes you happy, wear a Speedo to the beach. I don't think everyone needs to if it doesn't bring you joy. But like your thirst trap is you wearing what you love. But I realized that it has to be taken with a certain grain of salt, looking the way I look, saying it. But I get people who message me, Genuinely, because I joke about it. People make fun of me in fun ways and in real ways. But I get people who write me and say, I bought my first Speedo and I wore it because like you've made it so fun on your Instagram. And like, I'm not changing the world, Brett, to be clear. But like, be happy with the body you have and wear the things that are fun to you. And you don't have to take pictures of it if you don't want to. But like, who fucking cares at this point what other people have who to say about what you wear? Bravo's super fans wants to know, mm. does he keep in touch with the older ladies from the people's couch? I don't. Hi, Jenny. The, um... <laughs> Hi, Jenny. The, uh, it's funny, the Glamas, they were wonderful, but we literally, I met them twice at rap parties and that was it. Like, no, no idea. I know that their house was in the Valley, but I have no direct connection to them and I hope they are wonderful Aww. because... Honestly, there's an element of like, yes, that will be me. I will be that little old lady on that couch. It will just be in Palm Springs. Samaj with an H wants to know, what non-Bravo Leb reality stars would you like to see on a Bravo show? For example, like Snooki for R-H-O-N-J. Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, not even Sno like Snooki and Wow joining New Jersey would be like, an, you know, Jersey is the franchise I struggle with the most as far as like how successful mm -hmm. it is for me because I'm a 
Teresa should have been gone from the show until now, ironically, now that like Namaste is gone, you know, now that she's back more to her mm-hmm. real self, I enjoy her on TV. But like the, wor- yes. the workout years, the like not my favorite of the OGs. Funny yes. enough, I loved her on Girls Trip. She and Melissa with a different mix of women. So great. She was so, yes. But she's great as a side character, not a leading character. And that we've continued to try to build that franchise with her at the center. Margaret Josephs has single-handedly saved that franchise for me since Caroline Manzo left. Like she's the, yes. she is. And people don't talk about it enough. Margaret Josephs yes. came in. Season eight yes. was where the whole show yes. shifted and got good again. Nine was solidified when Jennifer and Jackie joined in yes. nine and has only just in kind. Yes. The, so, but like yes. Margaret added something that we hadn't had since Caroline where it's like, I'm funny and making fun of my cast members with love. You know, it's like we had yes. not had a good commentary person on New Jersey. The like rye commentary yes. person that's my favorite archetype was missing. Like the brutal season with Amber and the twins and like, yeah, you know, it struggled. Like Margaret single handedly brought course corrected that show to bringing Wow and Snooki like to that Wow's commentary, like someone strong enough to truly go toe to toe with Teresa because everyone's been afraid of. Even Margaret, I think until this season where I think some things are going to happen, you know, but she always knew like, oh, yeah. that's the star. And I don't want to mess up so much that she and I can't be on the show together because they will pick her over right, me. Right, Jay right, Wow, right. like would walk in and be like, I don't give a fuck. And I have things to say. Yes. I guess Melissa Gorga had said that she wanted uh, Snooki to join. And Andy has infamously always said, no, 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 don't even say it. And Snooki responded, like, saying, like, I don't really want to be on that type of show. The drama would be too much. Like, if anything, I'd want to do just, like, a cameo here and there. And that makes sense. Yes. I feel like she knows her her Jersey Shore stuff and all that. But when she had to, like, deviate from Jersey Shore, she kind of just became a shell. Yes. I went back in her shell. I also think it will always be a bad idea to bring another reality personality onto Housewives. I think it's why it's good when we stick with famous people that are not reality TV people works like in Beverly Hills. But I think you start mixing your tones when you have somebody that's known for reality elsewhere. I think it starts becoming what is the show? I want like Kimora Lee Simmons on New York. Yes. I would be into that. Yes. Um, I mean, it's always been like Chrissy Teigen coming to Beverly Hills would be like one of the great gets. The uh, like people who are fans that are also famous. They, I mean, I know, I know the journey everybody's been on there, but like you think about people that yeah. make good television because you're back to like you could really like somebody that doesn't make good TV. Before you go, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and promote anything you want to talk about? Yes, my short commercial. Uh, you can get in my DMs anywhere. I work hard to respond to everybody. I love hearing your thoughts. I engage much more on Instagram now at Emerson Collins. I'm much more of a Twitter lurker these days, but I'll answer anything and everything on Insta. And then genuinely, I love this. I love being here. I'll come back and talk literally whenever you want all day long. But my actual work, my actual job, the projects I'm really (laughs) proud of, you can screen my movies, Southern Baptist Sissies, A Very Sorted Wedding, and Blues for Willa Dean on Amazon, on Hulu. They're all available on iTunes and in DVD. And they're really great. So check them out and let me know what you think. Yay! Well, thanks again, Emerson. Be sure to check out other podcasts from The Dip, including Hot Off the Mess with Samantha Bush, Pop Chaser, TV, Watch, Repeat, and The Slut Pig Podcast with Christian Gray Snow. And don't forget to visit thedip.com where you can get commentary and analysis from writers, editors, and fans who are just as passionate about pop 
pop culture as you are. That's The Dip with two P's dot com and follow them on Instagram at The Dip. You can also follow me at Faces by Bravo where we can keep in touch until next time. And as always, but now we said it. 